today on Ag News Daily. You know, it's kind of a build your own of what what it is that you want to do. Um, obviously, attending any of the, the opening sessions and the general sessions, that's just a great way to kind of get that momentum started uh, for what is ahead um, of the rest of the convention week. Welcome to November 1st, 2023. Ag News Daily Podcast, Tanner Delaney here. Delaney, did you dress up and go trick-or-treating last night? Yeah, I, as a grown woman, went trick-or-treating last night. No, I didn't, Tanner, unfortunately. <laughs> Did you have a lot of trick-or-treaters come to your house? Well, no, because in, in Des Moines, they do Baker's Night, which is the night before Halloween. So we had no trick-or-treaters last night. Yeah, we uh, we had a very low turnout, and I think that was mainly due to the temperature. It seemed like, uh, which was also nice for the kids running across the street and whatnot, but uh, <clears throat> overall, very chilly, and it looks like we still got another day of chilly weather ahead of us. With freeze warnings are still in effect all the way from central Texas to the eastern seaboard. So, friends down there need to be careful about anything that could freeze. It is not winterized temperatures overnight in Arkansas. We'll bottom out, we'll bottom out to around 26 degrees Fahrenheit. Central Missouri will drop to a record low overnight tonight, as predicted. Cold weather is expected for parts of southeastern Oklahoma tonight as well. But we've got a warm-up in the forecast, so it'll be exciting to see how that shapes up for us today. Oh, what's the warm-up going to get up to? A whopping 40 degrees? It looks like 50s and 60s for here in Iowa. Well, we should... uh... Consider ourselves lucky. That might be the last little warm bit we get. Yep. Keep those grills out. Get some good burgers grilled up. Yes, that's a, uh, that's a great idea. Well, it might be a little chilly for President Biden as he hits his blitz at rural communities here over the next couple of weeks. I shared a little bit yesterday about Bidenomics, which is three different rounds of promoting President Biden's investment in rural America as he tries to recampaign for office for 2024. But President Biden will launch officially his investing in rural America campaign at a farm in southern Minnesota today to call attention to the billions of dollars being spent on rural development and agricultural projects. The tour will consist of six cabinet secretaries and seven senior officials barnstorming the nation over the next two weeks to spell out how federal investments, including climate smart agriculture, are bringing new revenue to the farm, increasing economic development in rural towns and communities, and bringing more opportunity throughout the country. Secretary Biden, Secretary Vilsack will be joining Biden at the farm in Northfield, which is 40 miles south of Minneapolis, and said he's really excited. He said they're ensuring rural Americans have the necessary tools and support to find opportunities in their hometown. And Vilsack will also follow that up to speak with the National Association, uh, National FFA this week, which opens their 96th convention today, Tanner, in Indianapolis. Yeah, I saw that tour kicking off. Glad that you're going to keep us surprised of where and what those dollars get spent for. We'll have a good update for our listeners probably tomorrow. Michigan potato growers are stating that their yields are varying this year. Sounds like a lot of corn and soybean yields match that of what potato growers have, except 
for some of the areas that saw flooding and heavy rain where crops got wiped out. There's concern now through the Michigan Potato Industry Commission that those growers will need some type of assistance to help them get from year to year as the cost of growing their crops continues to rise, just like other row crops. Growers battled dampness during September and early October during harvest, which also created issues for them. However, it looks like we shouldn't have to worry about a shortage of French fries, Delaney. The potatoes crop has been about average and demand is, seems to be staying on pace. So if you look at potato growing states, Delaney, where do you think Michigan ranks in the nation for production? Uh, I, I have no idea. They are nice. I was expecting the, one of the leading lobbyist states for the potato industry to be closer to the top, but they are ninth in production and they are about 1.65 billion pounds of potatoes on an annual basis. Kind of interesting there, a little insight for the potato industry. Also, uh, AgWeb did a great historical article on maybe the founder of custom feeding hogs it was uh, a story here to where it was originally the Millers built a large building that held 500 head, 10 pens of 50, and they called it a pig motel. So they were the first, as can be documented, to feed hogs without owning them and collect a paycheck for raising them just by the aspect of taking care of the animals. Kind of interesting there. If our listeners want to jump out to AgWeb, the Millers are certainly innovative as they converted their pig motel into a fertilizer business, started selling bins, got stuck into sturators, which a lot of our listeners just love, and continued there on. So kind of interesting article, Billy. Yeah, I saw that. How would you like to run a pig motel theater? Well, I think today it would be a lot different than when they had to shovel the manure out. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Well, Tanner, we don't have official word yet about what the fall harvest price will be for crop insurance, but it does seem likely we've got a pretty good feeling for where that price may be. Of course, back in the spring, we set crop insurance prices at $5.91 per bushel for corn and $13.76 per bushel for soybeans. And unfortunately, we are nearly a dollar lower in soybeans and more than a dollar lower in estimates here for corn as we're continuing to round out what the average daily close price of December corn futures contract was. It's likely going to be set somewhere around 488, while November soybeans were around 1284 per bushel. So this crop insurance price, like I mentioned here, is of course the average of the price of the December corn futures contract during the month of October and the November soybean contract during the month of October for soybeans. So still seeing those final numbers being crunched here, Tanner, but a dollar lower. So this is certainly going to trigger some payments, according to DTN analyst Todd Holtman, as we saw a really rapid decline in revenue for those producers that have revenue protection. It will likely trigger a claim this year, Tanner, and that could equate to quite a few claims overall if you did have that full 85% coverage. At the lower coverage levels, which usually range between 70 to 80%, Todd says even those may cause 
some sort of trigger, likely not a revenue trigger, but could be a yield loss to trigger a payment this year. So, so time will only tell how many dollars get paid out for insurance subsidies here. But Holtman said that the USDA was estimating the average cost of production this year for corn tanner, $5.13. So certainly crop insurance does not cover that from the fall price. And 2023 soybean production averaged $12.53 per bushel break even there. So again, crop insurance uh, fall price here does not certainly cover where the USDA pegged production numbers at this year. Yeah, I saw that as well. <clears throat> Unfortunate there. I'm going to hit Israel or Gaza news to wrap up my headlines for today. Sticking on the potato theme, it is potato planting season on farms in southern Israel, just across the Gaza border. Now the agricultural ministry is calling for the country, the country's vegetable barn. They're quote-unquote breadbasket of fertile ground to remain neutral and out of the fighting, trying to protect humanitarian efforts of ensuring that their food supply is safe. <laughs> Obviously taking a, a little page out of the book between Russia and Ukraine that these resources are valuable. So right now, as those sectors are continuing to battle, they are trying to protect the agricultural heartlands as well as ag producers to make sure that they don't have to fear for their safety or plundering. Uh, other headlines, we did see some good news. The first Palestinians are arriving across the Egyptian border uh, that had been held hostage for civilians of both. Their, the health ministry is stating that they have been allowed out of Gaza and are starting to make that trip up to upwards of 500 foreigners could cross from Gaza into Egypt under this mediated deal. Of course, 500 is not that large of a number when we were talking about 2 million people being affected. Uh, however, while this is still going on, we still see airstrikes. There is no ceasefire. Gaza's densely populated refugee camp Tuesday was hit by an airstrike. Uh, this damage killed a large number of people, and eyewitnesses and medics there are doing their best to contend to those that are wounded. And communications are now down again in Gaza as telecoms and other businesses are struggling to continue to keep communications active. Those are the headlines I've got to wrap up my portion today, Delaney. Well, Tanner, I have one final story here as we wrap up the news, and that is our average weekly fertilizer prices continued to push higher during the third week of October compared to last month. Prices for seven of the eight major fertilizers were higher compared to last month with one up significantly, which of course is a move of 5% or more. The only fertilizer price that was up considerably, however, was anhydrous, as it was last week as well, Tanner. But this week, it pushed 8% higher compared to the month prior. And nitrogen also pushed higher to an average price of $825 per ton. So certainly not saying that is totally reflective of what's going on in the Israel-Hamas region. But that certainly is not helping our fertilizer prices today, Tanner. Yeah, most certainly. That's... Uh... It's going to be where the pressure will probably be felt most for agriculture here in the U.S. Most certainly. But as we take a look here at commodity prices in the overnights, regardless of the lackluster news of lower 
harvest prices here for crop insurance. Corn is trying to push its way slightly higher here this morning. December corn up three quarters of a cent at 4.79 and a half. Nova soybeans down a quarter of a cent at 12.86 and three quarters. As we hop over to take a look at wheat, that is definitely pushing higher today. Chicago up four and a half pennies in the overnight at 4.60 and three quarters. December hard red winter wheat up seven and a quarter cent at 6.36 and a half. And December spring wheat up four and three quarters cents at 714. As we take a look at where livestock closed yesterday, they had a pretty good move on the board. December live cattle adding 30 cents will open this morning at a buck 83.55. January feeder cattle added 32 and a half cents will open this morning at 237.20. And December lean hogs added 55 cents yesterday, opening this morning at 71.72 and a half. Tanner, as we gear up for the 96th annual National FFA Convention and Blue and Gold starts to hit the ground in Indianapolis, we caught up with one of the very ladies putting together this year's National FFA Convention, Mandy Hazlitt, to chat about this year's convention. So let's turn it over to that conversation. Well, National FFA Convention is kicking off officially in Indianapolis today. And to chat about National FFA Convention this week going on, we've got Mandy Hazlett, the Associate Director of Convention and Events for National FFA. Mandy, thanks for joining us. Such an exciting week this week. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're, we're excited to get things kicked off. Absolutely. So I know you've been hard at work probably setting up for National Convention for couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks now, but it's all culminating this week. So I'm sure your hard work is going to be great to see that all paid off. Yeah, we, uh, yes, we started moving in um, this past weekend on Saturday. It does take us several days, several hours uh, to get to that starting point uh, to be ready for everyone to get here on Wednesday, but things are moving along, moved along pretty great. And um, yeah, we're ready for the show to get started. So Mandy, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar, maybe haven't attended National FFA Convention, it's kind of its own magical special week for FFA members traveling in from all parts of the country. How many FFA members do you guys expect to see this week? So this year, we're actually expecting over 70,000 attendees to be with us over the course of the next four days. Wow, that is phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah, it's a record-breaking year for us, so we're really excited. That is really exciting. I'm sure after COVID too, you had to kind of battle your way back to getting some record attendance like this. So FFA members are coming. There'll be 70,000 of them in Indianapolis this week. What are members going to be doing all week? You know, that one of the things that I really love about convention is there, you know, it's kind of a build your own of what what it is that you want to do. Um, obviously attending any of the, the opening sessions and the general sessions, that's just a great way to kind of get that momentum started, uh, for what is ahead, um, of the rest of the convention week. Students can then uh, spend time, whether it's in leadership workshops, um, time together inside our expo. We have a sold out expo and shopping mall this year. So there's definitely lots to see. So multiple trips into the, into the expo, um, they have chances to volunteer, give back to the community of Indianapolis by uh, um, joining on a National Days of Service project. We have several of those in and around the city, but we also have a service project on our expo floor as well. Uh, career success tours. They, I love the career success tours. It's really a chance for students to kind of get that behind the scenes look at different ag businesses around the Indianapolis area 
um, a tour that you and I wouldn't get just by coming in, you know, off the streets. And so it's a hands-on experience tour. Um, they get to learn a lot of how that business operates. So it's a really good eye-opener for those who are in that mindset of searching for a career. Um, they also can have some fun with each other. We, of course, have entertainment. Uh, we have a concert that's going to be happening uh, tonight. And then we have uh, three rodeos, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday evening, and then one matinee. Uh, rodeo on Friday, and then also our traditional hypnotist shows. So there's definitely lots for them to do um, and just sort of network, learn from each other. Um, they can have a packed three days while they're here in Indianapolis. Oh my gosh. As you're talking through this, it's just giving me like chills and thinking about <laughs> how I, how I miss it as a high school FFA yeah. student. It was kind of like meant to go to when you were in, in high school, getting ready for FFA convention and heading out to Indianapolis. So super excited for those students that will be attending this week. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, I, you know, I was trying to think back when I was in FFA, I don't remember if we had the service events back then or the, you know, opportunity to volunteer. So talk to us a little bit more about what that entails for members. Yeah. So we started uh, hosting national days of service. It's on Thursday and Friday of convention week. Um, and students have an opportunity to go out and, and like I said, give back to the community in Indianapolis with several different, it could be working with the cultural trail that's here in the downtown area and doing some flower bed cleanup. Um, it's going to different food banks and assisting, um, it, the project that we're having, um, on our expo floor is a, as a project for Daymar. And so they're building a sensory bottles. Uh, for those who um, are at the Daymar facilities. So there's just a, a, a variety of ways, but service is such a strong component of what it is to be an FFA member. And so being able to incorporate that into a convention is just a great way for not only for them to, to give back and really get into that service area of being an FFA member, but it helps to put us out there also in the community of Indianapolis. You know, we hear all the time how much they love having FFA members in town. And so this is a chance for them to also volunteer and work side by side and get to know the FFA members. I mean, they're such phenomenal students. Um, and so part of that service project is just also getting out there and getting the community to, to being involved with us. Awesome. I love that. I, I think that's such an awesome uh, advancement and addition to convention. But the other big part of convention is that FFA students who have worked through their SAE or supervised agricultural experiences may also be eligible for the national FFA degree. Mandy, talk to us a little bit about what that program is and how many students will be getting that this year at convention. So our American degree, we have over 4,000 um, students that will be receiving their American degree this year. And, and that is the highest achievement that an FFA member uh, can attain in their four years in high school. And so, um, yes, finishing their supervised um, agriculture experience is a part of that process. And one of the things that we actually added to convention last year, it's called the Students Showcase Stage. Um, it's over at, here at the convention center in Hall K. And on that stage, students have an opportunity to share with other students things such as their SAE projects. You know, what is it that they did? How did they get to that point? You know, what was the preparation? What was the project? Um, students that are in national chapter, you know, some of our CDEs, LDEs, our proficiencies, this showcase stage is a place for them to do exactly what the title says, for them to show 
um, other students. And so there's they're providing that momentum, that inspiration. And so those students that have completed an SAE, some of them will be on that student showcase stage this year, um, you know, talking about their projects and then having that uh, amazing opportunity on Saturday morning then to walk across that stage and receive their American degree. I still remember getting mine uh, back in the day. It was a really big achievement. So it is. It's really. such um, it's such a great way too to kind of cap off, you know, that last day of convention. It's such an honor for those students, and we just we love all the family members that come in. You know, on Friday evening, we get you know a whole new wave of of attendees coming to convention. You know, for the first time, just to see their um, their uh, student walk across that stage. It's it's quite a magical moment. It is. And I think it really helps propel those students into maybe their college or career because you mm -hmm. usually get that kind of at the end of your span in FFA as you're getting into the adult world, so to speak. But your last but not least, you you also culminate the week, of course, with installing a new FFA officer team. So you're holding elections this week. Is that correct? And what does that officer team, what does that look like for them for the next year if they get elected? <laughs> It's a pretty fast pace. So once they get elected on Saturday, um, you know, it's it, they dive right on in uh, to being national officers. And so they'll first start off, uh, you know, uh, they'll get a chance to come to the National FFA Center a couple of days after being elected, um, a chance to kind of get to know the National FFA staff. They'll go through a little bit of just sort of training and a little bit of a sneak peek into what their year has in store for them. But they do take an entire year um, off. They spend that year traveling around, whether that is with our foundation team at different sponsor visits. Um, they attend a lot of the state conventions. They do a lot of uh, workshops at chapter chapter meetings and at other local, local events uh, throughout the year. They get some time to travel internationally as well to learn about agriculture in other parts of the world. Um, it's, it's a full year, but the opportunities that come from being a national officer, the people that they meet, the things that they get to see, it is it is truly that once in a lifetime um, opportunity for them. And so it's pretty fast paced once they once that gavel hits, um, you know, it's it's off to the races for them for the rest of the year. Well, it'll be an exciting week this week as blue and gold is starting to hit the ground there in Indianapolis. Mandy, thanks so much for joining today and good luck with convention this year. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's going to be a great week. Thank you. Well, there you go, listeners. Another great conversation. Glad that you were able to stick around with us. We look forward to having you back again tomorrow. But for today, Delaney, what do you say? Should we let them go? Let's let them go.